welcome to the Know Your Shooter podcast. I'm your host Emily and this is a podcast about all things bits, bitting and a little bit more. In today's podcast we're going to be joined with Know Your Shooter company founder Heather Hyde who's going to be taking us right back to the beginning from her first home to founding the company. So without further ado let's get into the podcast. So Heather, can we take it right back to the beginning? Where did your passion for the horses start? Um, gosh, I can't remember. I mean it's always been there from being a child, nagging parents who weren't horsey. Thankfully, my uncle was, and my cousin had ponies. Um, my two uncles actually had horses. But, um, yeah, just nagging from as far back as I can yeah. remember. <laughs> um, I rode from being about four um, my cousin's ponies, but mm. my first pony was one of his cast-offs, which yeah. um, I got when I was about eight or nine. So who was that? Was that that, that, that was um, the Muffin Man. Yeah. Yeah. I never got the perfect pony. Never got the perfect no. pony. It's the best way to learn, though, isn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, one could argue. Um, but he was fairly extreme because mm. my cousin just used to rampage around the countryside, yeah. um, as boys generally do. Yeah. There wasn't much finesse there, whereas I wanted to do a little bit of um, flat work, a little mm-hmm. bit of dressage. Um, and uh, if you tried to hold him, he would rear, um, he would bolt. Oh. Um, he was, um, he, he really was um, a handful. Um, and I rode him in a hackamore, mm-hmm. and funnily enough, in a hackamore, he actually wasn't too bad. Um, in the school, he was actually a lot softer right. um, and a lot, a lot easier in the school. The only thing is with a hackamore, you tend to lose your steering, mm. but a happier pony, you know, yeah. much more relaxed, not spooky like mm. he would be with a bitting. Yeah. And when I looked in his mouth, and you know, bear in mind, I'm going back. You know, we didn't have the help. No. with bit fitting and what have you. Yeah. Um, he he actually had sores on the tongue, but when he turned the lips out, he he actually was very, very sore. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd been bleeding, actually, because he was so fleshy. He was black and white and hairy before they were fashionable. Um, very pinky, very fleshy-lipped, um, a humongous tongue that just came out everywhere. And... With the single joint, he was actually it was pushing the flesh. Even though his teeth were done regularly, they weren't sharp. Mm-hmm. He was get, he had proud flesh and scarring, um, you know, quite a lot of scarring on the inside. So it had obviously been going on for a while. Um, with the French link, he developed marks actually on the tongue. I mean, we know now with the French link that the plate doesn't lie flat; it actually turns. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so those two bits didn't help me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and a stronger bit, he just fought Kimblewick. I mean, in those days, it was a single joint French link or a Kimblewick, and that was yeah. kind of it, really. So you were very young to sort of notice all these things. Yeah, but I think when your parents are threatening to sell your pony, yeah. <laughs> because you're getting dumped that often, yeah. um, you tend to think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Truly, we knew, I, I know the name. I remember Andy from um, A&E, the plasterer. <laughs> I'd been plastered several times. Uh, not inebriated, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can write with my left hand. 
um, which wasn't natural, you know, because I'd broken uh, my right arm. So is that all like a normal disaster? Yeah, 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 no, it was, it was. Um, so, I mean, I can't blame my parents for mm. saying, look, you know, this is it. And I ended up with a straight bar, a, a mullen mouth, mm-hmm. um, egg foot, with a Kinnerton nose band. Um, and he was always strong, but he wasn't rearing and he wasn't bolting and he wasn't spooky. Yeah. Um, so he was manageable and he was very talented. Yeah. Um, so I think that made me very aware from a very young age oh. the importance of, I mean, nowadays we'd call it mouth management, mm-hmm. but, you know, looking in the mouth regularly and yeah. being aware of, you know, what's happening to the bit with rain contact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, bear in mind, in those days, the dentist would come out to to float the teeth, to rasp the teeth, so the horse could eat, yeah. you know, so the horse could actually, you know, um, masticate. Um, whereas now, most dentists will actually look with a view to um, accommodating a bit. Yeah. So, you know, things have changed. Really yeah. 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 So, obviously, did you, the horses have always been a big passion of yours, mm-hmm. but... Did you always know that that was something you wanted to do as a career? Oh, most definitely. I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't think I, I wasn't academic. Um, I didn't apply myself. I couldn't see the point because I wanted a career with horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus the fact I was always playing truant um, to be with the horses. So, you know, um, I left school when I was 14. But I did have <coughs> a pretty nasty accident. Um, and I couldn't ride for a couple of years. And not being academic, there weren't many places. I couldn't sit for very long yeah. because I'd actually really damaged the coccyx. My whole spine had been slightly compressed. Um, I was okay standing and walking, but I couldn't ride. You know, the, yeah. I'd been, I was told, you know, minimum two years. So my father said, well, you've got to do something. Yeah, yeah, I just <laughs> so actually went into hairdressing, believe it or not. Wow. Um, and I did have quite an aptitude and mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I, after two years then, I always had my horses again, yeah. even though sometimes I had two in livery. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always, you know, with the horses and competing. And I bet your classic skills were second to none by the time Oh, finished. well, yeah, I'm a very, very good clatter-upper. Cla- <laughs> 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 oh. So then... So following on from the hairdressing, and then did you move on to sort of going back into the horses? Um, I moved on from having the horses to compete, and um, I moved on to developing a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that time, I was <clears throat> I was married. Um, my husband was a farmer, and we had a lot of land. We had stables, and. We had a riding school initially. Oh, so that's how it started, the riding school? The, I would say the riding school, yeah, that, that was really how it started. And then um, developing on from there, we had a stud. Um, anything from five to seven stallions, which we would compete as well. Yeah. Um, we did all, all of our own collecting and you know chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, I did all of the inseminating with the mares. Um, we had lots of mares coming to fall. Um, apart from my own band of mares and we would have babies coming on and you know by the time they got to three I would start them mm-hmm. I think the thing about living in the north where we are uh, North Yorkshire there isn't a really good no. dressage circuit I mean it's better now 
than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I did train with Jane Bartle, Jane and Christopher Bartle from the Yorkshire Riding Centre. That you know, dressage has always been my passion. Yeah. Um, but very difficult, you know. Once you got past advanced, medium, advanced, you know, you had to travel. Um, and having the stud, and we had a tack shop on the stud as well, yeah. um, it just wasn't easy for me to do. So I would get the babies to a certain stage, mm-hmm. and then they would go on, you know, somebody, you know, normally dressage. And, it, you know, they made, um, you know, we, we turned out some top class, yeah. top class horses. Um, I also got known for doing quite a bit of remedial work. Um, in those days, I kind of, I won't say I felt invincible, but you don't have, you don't think of consequences, no. really, like I would now. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I would have take on quite a few horses that were um, naughty, generally not naughty, mm-hmm. generally either through discomfort or through um, really poor training. Yeah. Um, you know, they would have various issues mm-hmm. that we'd have to work through. I guess, I guess that would give you a really like, holistic approach to, to any such I think very much a, a holistic approach. And again, that was where my interest in bits and bitting yeah. um, came in. Uh-huh. Um, because so many times, you know, it would be a bitting issue or a saddle issue or even a girth issue. Yeah. Um, not to mention really bad training. Mm-hmm. If, I could use the word training. Um, so I think comfort is it, just imperative. You, you're not going to develop a good relationship with the horse nice. if the horse isn't comfortable. Yeah. Um, and so many times I had to think outside of the box regarding different bits, different mm-hmm. nose bands, yeah. um, whatever. Um, so where did the bits then fit into the stud? Um, the bits fitted into the stud, I guess, with the tack shop. Yeah. Um, I think I became very aware of the importance of bitting and looking in the horse's mouth and um, making sure things, you know, fitted correctly and the horse was comfortable. I think another horse that really did highlight um, the importance of bitting was a grey horse that I had. And I had, I was given him literally um, for meat money four days before he was actually due um, to be shot. And that transpired to be a bitting issue. So what was he? What did he do? He would rear up, and go over backwards. Um, he would flip himself up in the air, and he would just—he'd be, oh, you know, isn't life lovely? And then, oh, um, and not really much warning. But I used to be um, into school trampoline and champion, so I kind of always <laughs> knew where I was in relation to the ground. And, uh, he had actually put three people in hospital, which was why he was unfortunately destined for the bullet. Yeah. Um, but. He was very, very sensitive. There was nothing wrong with him. You know, he was a horse that had amazing potential. He had really good breathing, mm-hmm. and he'd had he'd been X-rayed, and he'd lot he'd had a lot of diagnostic procedures carried out. Um, but and, and and it was literally on the on the fourth day of riding around the school that he flipped himself, and I discovered with him it was he was just so sensitive. Yeah. No, he was a grey horse. He was pinky. Um, he was a big, you know, 16.3. He was actually thoroughbred, but he looked like a modern-day warm blood. You know, his movement was amazing. Um, but I had to source 
maybe three different bits that worked with different contact areas. And I also had to use um, Akamal yeah. every now and again to, get, to give him a complete break. You know, I just lunge him on a, on a large circle, you know, a couple of times a week. Yeah. But he went on to make um, a top eventer. And yet, you know, that was, a, that was a horse that would have been put down through what people deemed were behavioural issues. And, and, and that was discomfort. He just liked to work on a few different pressure points within the mouth. Yeah, because he because he he just became he became sore so quickly, even though he couldn't see anything. Yeah, you know, working on the same pressure points day in day out, he couldn't take it. Yeah. Um, but you think if you put that into like human con- like into human context, you don't want to wear the same pair of shoes day in yeah. day out. So yeah. you can kind of can understand that. Yeah. I mean, we do get it. I do get it on the advice line frequently. Yeah. Where people will phone up and say. Um, and generally speaking, they're quite exasperated because they'll say, oh, it's worked this way around that one. And, uh, and I have to explain, you know, he's not doing it deliberately. No. You know, basically, if you find two or three bits that he goes well in mm-hmm. and you just rotate them, you know, just keep them, then, and, and invariably they phone back up and say, it's amazing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So then what inspired you to look at, like, creating your own designs then? Um, I think probably going back to the tech shop, um, the stud was slightly winding down. I mean, you can only work um, 24-7 for, for, for so long. Yeah. Um, and I found, I mean, I had, I was stocking Spranger, Myla, um, Kangaroo in those days, um, Abby, um, customising an awful lot of bits. Um, and basically... I kind of got known for giving advice on yeah. bitting and people started coming and so with the more expensive brand I started hiring them out mm-hmm. and this isn't something you could get from um, a textbook or no. wh- wherever I mean you know it's feedback you know yeah. from thousands and thousands of people regarding mm-hmm. what bit has worked yeah. um, on a particular horse under a given set of circumstances and so you kind of get you know, you kind of know yeah. what is generally um, going to work, as long as there isn't an underlying, yeah. you know, issue. I mean, there's no substitute for basic training. No, the bit is not a quick fix, mm-hmm. um, and there's no point going stronger. Yeah. You know, if the basics aren't actually, you know, if you haven't got the foundation. Yeah. So I guess it started really organically, then, sort of word of mouth. Oh God, yeah, I've never, I've never had a plan. I've no. never had a plan, a business plan, or a life plan, or anything. No. Things just happen. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think hiring out, you know, all of the expensive, um, you know, products, and you know, getting all the feedback, and then knowing what designs I wanted mm-hmm. um, to create, and different sizes and different diameters. And I won't mention any names, but I went to um, a top brand mm-hmm. and said, look, these are my, these are designs, um, these are different sizes that we need, um, these are different cheeks that I want, and didn't want to know. And that was the only reason that, that Noya Shula actually did evolve. Yeah. Because if they'd said, oh yeah, we'll make these up for you, that would have... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what about the name then? When did you come up with the name? 
Wow. Well, um, the name was a drunken night with the German dressage team. Yeah. Takes dead. Um, I mean, we have just recently learned that dressage takes dead is going to be no longer, which mm -hmm. is really saddened me because um, we've had a trade stand um, at dressage takes dead. I think since inception, and to meet the riders and to be able to watch the horse's way of going and go back into the stables and you know actually examine you know the head and and the mouth um, was an amazing yeah. opportunity but um i mean not so much nowadays because we have some amazing dressage riders of our own mm -hmm. but uh, and we always have had but to be fair the germans they always thrashed us you know going back you know years we always yeah. constantly got thrashed dressage um, and we'd been thrashed yet again this particular night and we were all fairly drunk. We were sort of all commiserating yeah, and they were all <laughs> celebrating and everybody was way. But I'd actually developed um, a design that did revolve, a mm. bit that did revolve and I'd given it to um, some of our team and some of the German team to actually you know, try out. And uh, one of the German team, you know, he was sat on the bar stool, we were actually at the lunch bar and it was one o'clock in the morning or something he's going ah very nice sure and I said oh what does that mean and he said oh new school you know very new yeah. new design um, and um, I was kind of thinking of a name for mm. the brand and when I woke up the following morning with a stonking hangover but um, I did recall that that's lucky yeah <laughs> and that was um, that was how the name yeah, yeah came about yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting because a lot of people sort of presume that it's a German company, but it's, uh, but it's got quite a story behind it. But under the hills. Yeah, Yorkshire. In Yorkshire, yeah. 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 So, if you could go back with hindsight now, um, would you have done anything differently? Uh, that's a very deep question because if I'd done anything differently, I might not have arrived at this point in my life mm -hmm. and I'm really happy. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm very happy with the way things are. We're on developing... Um, new designs. I'm working with my brother-in-law, Dr. Graham Cross, at the moment. Um, he's a physicist. He's also a rider. He was very instrumental um, in the development of the turtle. Mm -hmm. So we're working on some, you know, on, on some new designs, and I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now. You know, if I'd gone back and done something different, I might not be here yes. <laughs> doing what I'm Put doing now. Back, so I think. The only thing I do wish would be when I started out and I was banging on about mouth management yeah. and, you know, looking at the mouth regularly uh -huh. and checking and, you know, blah, blah. Um, we didn't have the social media platform. Yeah. You know, so we can reach people now, whereas it was kind of Bush Telegraph then. Mm -hmm. I think that is so instrumental in education um, regarding, well, a lot of aspects really, yeah. but certainly... Um, people are giving a lot more consideration yeah. to the mouth and to the bit and you know to the working angle and because for a long time people have ploughed you know the thought and the finances into the back of the saddle uh -huh. but the bits being something that hung up in the tap room yeah. and fitted the old horse who different breed different way of going but which the more we learn about it and the more that we learn obviously the impact that the bit does have the more yeah. crazy it seems yeah. that we yeah. didn't that we didn't and the thing is if you think about how sensitive your own mouth is you don't have to change much before you've totally changed the field from the horse's perspective yeah. 
so uh, we know so much more now and I think we have so much more empathy now and now we want we're wanting to develop you know more of a partnership with the horse uh -huh. I mean I'm going back now but you know training the horse and dog training yeah. um, it, it's not as forgiving you know as it is now you know we have yeah. much more um, you know positive reinforcement mm -hmm. which is brilliant yeah you know, that's how I train my dogs as well mm -hmm. um, so yeah but I can't really think of anything no, that I you're right any little change you, you don't know where, where it will come exactly so yeah so I think that concludes the end of our episode one with um, with Heather so thank you for, for joining us on the podcast and but just, you know, if there's anything that you'd like us to feature on the upcoming podcast, then do let us know so you can contact us over on our social media, on our Instagram or Facebook. And then I think what me and Heather have been discussing is obviously with the situation at the minute with COVID-19, it's, it's us looking for different ways to sort of communicate with you because, I mean, there's a lot of shows. I know you're very disappointed you can't get out to. I mean, we would have been, we would have had a large trade stand at Badminton. We would yeah. have literally been giving advice from eight in the morning till eight at night. Mm -hmm. You know, we would have Brahman. We, there are so many big shows where we would have been engaging with the rider, giving advice. You know, the riders would bring, um, you know, video footage in, photographs in. Everyone's got them on their phone nowadays with their horses and their dogs. They'd bring their bridles in. Um, we could watch the horse's way of going. So... I have never done a podcast before, <laughs> so I hope you liked it. Yeah. Um, I have been very honest, um, and we're more than happy. Any topics that you would like us to cover or any questions, um, obviously we're looking for different ways to engage because we're all in the same boat, which is a very different boat <laughs> to yeah. the boat that we were in. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening thank and thank you. you for watching on YouTube.